0: Baptism is an important thing. It's, it's, a, it's a public identification. We get to say salvation is a transformation of the heart, right? Uh, uh, salvation is a spiritual experience. Uh, when we give our, li- our lives and our hearts to the Lord. But Pap- what is a baptism is a public expression of what has already taken place on the inside of you, within your own heart. It is when you are fully identifying, we dip you in water. Uh, and that's a way of identifying with the death of Jesus. And then we pull you out of the water. You identify with the resurrection of Jesus. And so the water baptism is really a way of making a public statement that I am now one with the Lord. And I'm submitted to him and I'm submitted to his church. Uh, he has authority over my life. The church has, has authority over my life. Already, that decision has already been taken through salvation, right? Uh, what a baptism is just a ritual God has given us uh, to make a public statement. Of let's like, so that's why in the Book of Acts, people used to be baptized, and of course, the other there's, there's the Bible does talk about baptisms, plural. There's sp- uh, Holy Spirit baptism, and uh, and uh, we're gonna again baptize those who have not been baptized in the in, spirit, in the Spirit of God. Uh, when we get it, the infilling of the Spirit of God and, and get, get to walk in His power and His gifts. Um, uh, we need that because, you know, we need that to walk through life and to conquer life and to deal with issues and to flow in the gifts of the Spirit of God. So we'll do that as well. But uh, yeah, the baptism in water is really a way of identifying with the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I'm saying here, I'm one with the Lord and I'm one, one, I'm one with His church. Yeah. Amen? Amen? And to, to then you know, start the journey, which is very, very important, especially in these days. You know, um, uh, uh, Sometimes people don't know where they stand with Jesus, where they stand with the church of Jesus, and the authority that the Lord has over our lives, and the authority that the church has over our lives. Uh, which is not abused, Nobody abuses that authority. Uh, That authority is given by the Lord for the purpose of His will over our lives as, you know, the church looks after the affairs of the people of God uh, to make sure that we are all walking in the will of God, that we are not, uh, uh, you know, sleeping, we are not uh, uh, being conquered by life, we are making correct decisions, that we are ge- we are preserving our salvation that's 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 why God has established church and elders and to look after the affairs they oversee that's the word that is used uh, the word you know the overseers or bishops they oversee the affairs of the people um, uh, just make sure that everything is literally like a shepherd wood over uh, sheep, or as the Bible would use that analogy of shepherd and sheep, and it's a beautiful thing. There is no other system in the world that exists. It means that God has already established that no amount of education, no amount of personal gifting is able to sustain you and I, yeah, and to walk properly in the, in the will of God through life and through the affairs of life. We actually need to be part of a fold. A fold. That's a beautiful uh, word, right? A fold, a sheepfold. A sheepfold of God. We need to be part of a community so that our affairs can be that we need that healthy humans need that level of accountability. And 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 nobody's obsesses about that authority because we, 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 we know the purpose of that authority is really nothing but to make sure that you and I are walking in the will of God. Amen? Amen? Amen. That you and I, that we walk together in moments when we're crying, we walk together in moments when we're laughing, we walk together through all seasons of life. That's how it's ordained. So you can never retire from church. It is ordained of God. Amen? Amen? You can never retire from this thing called church. It is ordained of God, and and God has already predetermined long before you and I had a thought that for you and I to to be able to flourish in the things of God and the things of life, we are going to need church. So it's a beautiful process when God saves Yandiso and brings her into the community, Mm -hmm. and that process of forming the relationships and building relationships and uh, and uh, and uh, and uh, and uh, you know, giving our lives and hearts to one another, and trusting one another with our lives, it's a beautiful, beautiful process. And seeing ourselves and one another grow in the things of God, it is a very, very beautiful thing. Amen. So mm-hmm. um, I want to read a couple of you know, well, maybe a couple of scriptures for us, and then we're gonna we're gonna break some bread together. Mm-hmm. I want to start by 1 Corinthians 16. And we're going to break some bread together. First Corinthians 16. First Corinthians chapter number 16. So everybody got that? You know, beautiful thing, this thing called church, right? It's not just a thing that, you know, I attend church there. You know, it's not a building. It's not just a about Sunday morning. It's a community. It's meant to be a community. It's preordained by God. Uh, but you and I will flourish when we exist in the context of church, and uh, that's what we need, to, to flourish, to thrive in the things of God. I want to read the scripture about, you know, Paul talking about an effective door that's open. So we're going to read 1 Corinthians 16, and then we're going to switch over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And then, uh, and then uh, you know, break some bread together. In First Corinthians chapter 16, in verse 5, it says, After I go through Macedonia, I will come to you, for I will be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you for a while. I'll stay with you for a while, or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey, wherever I go for i do not want you to see so for i do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit i hope to spend some time with you if the lord permits but i will stay on at ephesus until pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me and there are many who oppose me a great door for effective work has opened for me, and there are many who oppose me. I really feel like that verse in verse 9 um, about the great door having opened is a word of God for us for, for 2024, for the next season of the, lo- of the Lord, and and uh, I want to I wanna, I wanna release that uh, so that we can start thinking about that and start praying into that as we look ahead. But I love the portion of the Scripture and the context of the Scriptures in which Paul outlines this effective door that's open for him. If we read that again, verse 5, after I go through Macedonia, I will come to you, for I will be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you for a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you and, and, and make only a passing visit. I hope you spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost, because a great door for effective work has opened for me, and there are many who oppose me. Actually, it goes on in verse 10, talking about Timothy. When Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you. For he's carrying on the work of the Lord, just as I am. No one then should treat him with contempt. Send him on his way in peace, so that he may return to me. I am expecting him along with the brothers. I want to think, I want you to think about what do you see when you read those scriptures? Uh, from verse 5 and, and obviously uh, with a focus on verse 9, but including that verse 10 to 11, when Paul is writing to them about Timothy as well, when Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am. No one then should treat him with contempt. Send him on his way in peace so that he may return to me. I am expecting him along with the brothers. I want us to see the thoughtfulness of Paul in these scriptures. I want us to see the thoughtfulness. What do I want us to see? The thoughtfulness of Paul. Let's read that again, verse 5. After I go through Macedonia, I will come to you. For I uh, I will be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you for a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go, for I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits, but I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me and there are many who oppose me. When Timothy comes in verse 10, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you. For he is carrying on the work of the Lord, just as I am. No one then should treat him with contempt. Send him on his way in peace, so that he may return to me. I am expecting him along with the brothers. I want you to see, first and foremost, the thoughtfulness of Paul. This is a thoughtfulness that pertains to Paul's approach to relationships and community life. He's a thoughtful man. He is thinking through who he wants to spend time with, how he wants to spend that time with the people. He is not casual about relationships. He is not clumsy about relationships. It's not just that it it works when it does, and if if it does, not it doesn't. He is quite thoughtful about how he's wanting to spend time with people. Mm -hmm. He applies his mind, and, and he brings into that mix the whole issue of the permission of the Lord. If the Lord permits, I want to spend some time with you. He's working through, there's quite an administrative consideration, and he's seeing through his trips and his travels, that in some cases, if he sees them in not optimal times, that he may not be able to get the maximum fruit out of the relationship Uh, engagements that he wants to have with these brothers, with these saints. He is being thoughtful, and the thoughtfulness pertains to community life. Mm -hmm. I want to go through Macedonia. I'll come to you, for I will be going through Macedonia. He's thinking about them. In his other travels and plans, he's thinking about these brothers, about these believers in Corinth, because I will stay with you for a while, or even spend the winter. So he's projecting He's projecting into the coming, you know, uh, uh, days and weeks and months and and how his schedule is going to play out. He is being thoughtful in his community approach, in his approach to community life. I want to spend the winter with you so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. He says, I want this thing to be complete. I want this thing to to, to have maximum impact, that when I come and visit you, as my fellow brothers and sisters, there is is a fruit, maximum fruit of the Lord, that we get to enjoy out of that interaction. In other words, Paul has an objective in the the midst of community life. He He has something that he's looking for when he interacts with his brothers and sisters. There is there is a picture that he has in mind long before he actually visits them. That I want to, I want, and so that determines how much time he wants to spend with them. For I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. He's saying, I don't want to be casual about this. I don't want a, a, only a, a, a partial fruit, or I want a complete fruit of our own community life. And, and this is an exhortation for us, LSA as we move forward into 2024. The thoughtfulness in community life, mm-hmm. the objectivity, the, the, the objective that we must carry inside of our own heart, a sense of standard out of our relational interactions. is something I am looking to achieve as we interact together. For I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you is value in spending time together those things cannot be taken for granted and these are the things that obviously uh, inside of you know covid and in the pandemic we lost we lost these values in the church in general not just this church the church in general lost these values is something there's a value in spending time together and that's time spent together with a sense of spiritual objective Yes, it is social. It is like what we're doing today. We are gathered very intentionally in a house to celebrate kingdom humanity, to celebrate the kingdom of God instead of our own lives. Because we see that there is value in spending time. I want to spend some time with you. Paul is saying, I'm budgeting some time for you. How many, how many of us know that you know, time is, 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 there's cost attached to time. And sometimes we can be stingy with our time. But Paul is saying, I want to be generous with you, Corinthians, with my time. I am budgeting some time for you because there's a fruit that I want to achieve out of you and out of us and out of our fellowship together. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits, but I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost. And so he's thinking about uh, Ephesus also. He's thinking about Corinth, he's thinking about, and I want you to, and I know that Paul is an apostle, he's dealing with churches. I want you to reduce that to your interaction with believers. Mm -hmm. Where he says, Corinth, Pentecost, put names. Mm -hmm. Amen. Put names. Put names. Put names there. So he says, I want to, I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost, he's, he's pro- there's projection here. There's forward thinking here. He's not being casual about how he's going to be spending his time. Because he says, a great door for effective work has been opened to me. And there are many who oppose me. And we'll, we'll come back to verse 9. In verse 10, when Timothy comes, he says to them, See to it that he has nothing to fear. Hmm? In other words, he's saying, I want you to think about the kind of space you are creating for this brother, Timothy. I want you to think about the kind of experience that you want to offer to our brother, Timothy. I want you to be thoughtful that when Timothy arrives, there is a a condition that is set, that is put in place. Mm -hmm. That is going to be feeling in a certain... Have you you found yourself in, in someone's space and you feel a little bit awkward? You know, like It's like, I'm with this person, but I don't feel great here. There is no thoughtfulness here. I don't feel at peace here. He says, when Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you. So in other words, it has to be the absence of fear. The absence of sense of reservation and that we're creating spaces for one another where people can fully be themselves. Fear means I'm reserved. Fear means I need to count my words with you. Fear means I need to check my behavior. I need to check my every step because I I don't know how I might be received here. So there must be no fear while he is with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am. No one then should treat him with contempt is the other word, the second word that Paul uses here which is dishonor, lack of respect. Firstly, Paul is saying, create a space for Timothy to make him be fully himself, to be able to flourish inside of your own space. Make him comfortable. Make him to feel at home. Then he says, treat him with respect, honor him. Let there be honor in the process of relational interaction. Treat him with respect. He says, there must be no contempt. No one then should treat him with contempt. Send him on his way in peace, is the third word that he uses. So lack of fear, lack of contempt, but peace. Do you want to create spaces? as we move forward, LSA, where in our space, the relational spaces, there's going to be shalom. Yeah. Harmony. Shalom means harmony. It means I fully dock into your life. I feel like, uh, you know, you know, I feel like ships have to dock at the harbor, right? I fully dock into your life. I feel like you've opened your heart towards me, and I've opened my heart towards you. Amen. Amen. I trust you in the Lord, and you trust me in the Lord. I, there is a docking station. There is no dissonance. There's no noise between us. We're docking here. We are. Yes having a great time there's social interaction there's fellowship but man there's a sense of spiritual peace of shalom of docking together there's there's uh, you know you know you know things are just working in a harmonious way i can be fully me i can just allow the gifting of god that is inside inside of my life to fully flourish in your presence it's like almost like i feel like when i'm with you I am able to fully release and enjoy my full potential in the Lord. There's something about you that activates me. There's something about you that causes me to flourish. There's something about you that activates the things of God on the inside of me. There's something about the way you open your heart, the way you are thoughtful about how you're going to receive me. allows me to be fully me. There's something about you that makes me realize I'm walking towards a destiny here. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be worried. There is no fear. Amen? Mm-hmm. I, I don't have to wonder about what are you thinking. Yeah. You know, coming out of this, this COVID, you have to wonder what people are thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's an environment of suspicion. Mm-hmm. And in suspicion, there can be no trust. And where you've had to interpret people's smiles. You <laughs> have been doing this church thing for a while. I've understood that smiles must be interpreted. And you know, old people have mastered this thing of smiling, man. But smiles have to be descend, almost. Descend the smile. It's like Paul is saying, create an environment for Timothy where he doesn't have to worry about these things. Doesn't have to worry about what you're thinking about him. Where he can be fully himself, where he can, his gifting in the Lord can fully flourish in your space and in your presence. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that I say. That when we hear, everybody's gift has to be able to flourish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That there's no reservation, there is no fear. We create a space in which giftings flourish fully. Because in the flourishing of gifts. Is a realization of destiny. But you know, in, in in this walk with Jesus, we look for a thing called home. Amen. And home is not is not is not what you make for yourself. Home is what God makes for you. God has ordained and God has adds to the church. He makes he, he takes the lonely and adds them into families. He makes a home for you. And my job and your job is to perceive the home that God is crafting for you and I and to embrace it as our home. This is a home that God has made for me. Here, I don't have to be fearful. Here, I am peaceful. I am at peace. I don't have to, pro- to, to project. Amen? I don't have to prove anything to anybody here. We don't need anybody Performing here? and we want, we want a home. I don't know about you. I want, I want a home. I want a, a space in which I can be home. You know, sometimes even pastors build churches where they can't be home. I've seen this. It's like, well, we've, we've created a monster here. It's like we want to build spaces in which Yandiswa can be home. You know. And so there's a, there's a dualistic process there that we, in our own hearts, our heart has to, has to be in the right place about what God has ordained as home for us. Amen? Because mm-hmm. we can eject ourselves out of a home that God has ordained for us. And this thing called home means that your destiny is actually going to be determined here. Your, your fruit, your gift is going to flourish in this context. It's ordained of God. There are many churches. The church is like a marriage. There are many people out there, potential husbands and wives, but there is only one person ordained for you. Amen? There are actually many people. How many of us know that? It's a mystery, this thing called marriage that many people can fall in love with, actually, and actually potentially establish a family with and have children with. But there's only one person ordained of God that is called a suitable helper for you that will cause you to fully flourish in the things of God. And so when you start the marriage journey, you are looking for that person. The church is the same thing. There are many churches out there. many good churches out there. Amen? Amen. There are many places where you can go and find a good word. That's not the point. The point is, where is my home? And Jesus said to his disciples, I'm going and prepare, I'm going to prepare a home for you, a place for you. Then I'm going to come and call you in John chapter 14. You're going to come into that space. God prepares a place for us. And that place that God prepares is a place of relationships and people and all sorts of things. A place where that we can call home, where we don't have to be fearful, where there is no contempt, but where we can be at peace. The beautiful home is that you can go home, you can go to your home today, and maybe you don't have butter in your fridge. Eh? Mm-hmm. And Maybe you don't have, uh, uh, you know, I don't know what you have and what you don't have in your fridge right now. I don't know what's your dinner looking like, but that's your home. And so when people look for churches, then they go, how is the mic and how is the sound system? What kind of home is that? You're looking, for, you're looking for the cosmetics to define home. And that's the wrong way of going about it. A home is that one place where we, we, can, we can not have butter and be okay with it, actually. I don't have to, I don't, I don't have to prove to someone anything oh, we don't have a, a particular grocery item, and oh, you know, she, she's not a visitor. But there's something that defines that space. That is not defined by whether we have, you know, grocery uh, items are complete, or whether there's a power outage, or the logistics of a house do not determine what, what a home is. A home is ordained of God. It is a place where you talk, where there must be respect. Amen? There must be peace where you do not have to perform to be accepted. Amen? We're not looking for any theological gurus here. We're not looking for people who pray certain fire prayers here we are looking for brothers and sisters that have been ordained by God to be here and that perceive this place as a home for themselves and where they can be made to feel home. Amen. And at home, even when there's offenses, they get resolved, right? That's not a home where there's an offense and then you eject yourself because of an offense. I mean, for those of us who are married you come on, you is like husband and wife, you, you're going to bump into issues of fight. You argue. But you don't throw the, the, the word divorce because of an argument. Amen? You understand that what constitutes a marriage is deeper than an argument. So, therefore, it, it, it governs what you say in the process. A home is ordained of God. So we're thoughtful about how we're receiving people, like Corinthians were instructed. How are we going to receive Timothy? Mm. Receive him in peace. In other words, Paul is saying don't just put together a logistical gathering, create a space where people can have a spiritual experience. Not only with God, but also with you as, as, uh, as, as, as human beings. They must have a divine experience, but also they must have a good human experience because, wow, I found brothers and sisters there. I was welcome there. There was peace there. There was no contempt there. There was no dissonance there. I didn't feel, how did you feel? That's a big question. And how you feel, and remember the, the first family that God establishes, you remember these two brothers, Cain and Abel, um, and reveals to us, What can happen when our own heart goes, collapses, as in the heart of Cain, Cain, he was angry at his brother, not because his brother had done anything wrong, but because he was jealous because Abel's offering was accepted by the Lord. So in other words, when we are compromised spiritually, we can find ourselves in a place of dissonance, yeah? Dissonance of noise, of tension, of internal tension. And if we're not honest, and what if we're not honest, what we do, we take that noise and we, and the enemy begins to whisper, right? And we accuse somebody. Oh, they didn't do this. They didn't, it's because Courtney didn't give me coffee that one Sunday. (laughs) And we find all sorts of silly excuses when we actually should be repenting, amen, and confronting our own hearts and saying, God, Know if you don't feel great, you know, sometimes like God, I don't feel great. Lock yourself in a room, God, fix my heart here. I feel irritable, I feel uneasy about the idea of going to church. Oh, God, I, I was with Mafia and I was feeling irritated. Who, who gets irritated by Mafia? Uh-huh. I mean, it's like... <laughs> I mean for man who gets irritated (laughs) (laughs) It's like when you get irritated by your mother you know man it's going down sometimes you got to fix your heart You wake up in the morning God I don't feel like going to church I don't think I can take Muffa's face I just feel irritated. It's like demons are dancing in your heart. They're having a good time. And what do you do in a time like that? Lock yourself in the room. God, fix my heart. I'm going to pull myself up. I'm going to go to church because that's a place that you ordained. Because in a family, you show up every day. You leave in the the morning, go to a comeback. It really doesn't matter what what went down that day. You're going to have to sit around the table and have that dinner. Amen? Amen? You're going to have to sit around that table and have that dinner. You're going to have to talk about your day. Amen? Rather talk about your day. Yeah, you don't come back and look yourself in the room. That's family. And so it's like these are altars that we honor about family. When we come together around the table. And so even today, this is about coming together around the table. We honor the altar of fellowship. Like it says in Acts 2, verse 42, they devoted themselves. Amen? Not just to God, but to fellowship, to the teaching. They devoted themselves. It means that they committed themselves. It was a matter of discipline. It wasn't about how I felt on a particular day. They devoted themselves to the teachings of the apostles, to prayer. Fellowship and to breaking our bread. And so this is a matter of devotion. It's a matter of devotion, saints. It's a matter of devotion, LSA. We we respect the altars that God has set for us, because this is family. And how we know when things start going wrong is when we start to disrespect and dishonor the altars. And we know something is not right inside of my own heart. And what do you do when you're going through that? Look yourself in the room and talk to God. Let God confront you. If, you. if you fail, talk to somebody. If you fail, approach leadership and say, man, I don't know. I think my heart is, I think the devil has been having a good feast of, in my heart. There's just this one demon I can't shake off. You're going to be helped. Let's not be generic about church. Yeah. Let's not be generic about the altars of God. Let's not be generic about spaces that God has ordained for us. Was they linking they link to our destiny? Yeah. And let's show up in a way that is respectful and yeah. and, and makes other people feel like, man, I wanna fight, I wanna flourish. Yeah. It's like after we after sick age when we go home, it's like Chuck, I feel great. And I know that I feel great not just because, you know, we had uh, we had briyani and we had good food. I feel great because it's a, I feel great as in like I had a spiritual experience, man. Something is flourishing on the inside of me. Something makes me want to step into a Monday and overcome and conquer. A Tuesday, a Wednesday. Something has Entered my heart, that makes me overcome the fact that I don't have finances. It's like, man, there's something about this, 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 this LSA, and we talk about this particular space. God has many churches, right? Many good churches out there, but there's only one place ordained for you and I. God brought a suitable helper for, for Adam. Only one place ordained. And that's what we want. And find that. Uh, when we find that, we respect that. We treat that with respect because actually, man, my life depends on this. this is, I respect this altar called LSA because it was ordained of God. It's not about worshiping a church, right? It's not about worshiping a church. It, it is about loving the altar that God has for you, ordained for you. And, and falling in love with that thing and respecting it because you know that, you know, my flourishing depends on this thing here. Mm-hmm. And then Paul talks, in that context, to Paul talks about an effective door is open. And we want to declare that for ourselves for 2024. That the effective door opens in the process of thoughtfulness around issues of community life that we are not robbed relationally have you ever found yourself in a, in a place where uh, you feel like there is ah, relational gaps and it's not about it's not about familiarity yeah it's not about yeah you know what man these are the people I, I you know i used to hang out with and it's not it's not at the level of it's it's about what god has ordained so once you find that thing that paul is talking about i want to be thoughtful about that thing I want to be thoughtful about how I'm spending time with these believers. I don't want to be uh, incomplete in my experiences. And so I'm going to think about my schedules and how I move around. And and when do I see you Corinthians? And he says in that context, there's something called an effective door. That's going to open. That that thing doesn't open for people who are casual about relationships and about community life. There's an effective door. And he says, yes, at that door, there's all sorts of adversaries and enemies and things that are opposing, but it's an effective door. Mm -hmm. It means that the things I've got are going to be achieved when I tap into this thing. Mm -hmm. And that's what we proclaim for 2024. An effective door inside of your own heart, inside of your relationship with Jesus. An effective door inside of your personal life. An effective door inside of your vocational life. An effective door inside of your business. An an effective door for this church as we step into the things of God. There's an effective door. An amazing time with, you know, elders, church elders, you know, um, uh, uh, last Wednesday. An effective door as people start to gather and come closer, you know, smell and inhale. and mm, I think I'm picking an aroma here, man. Mm. There's something brewing here. Something that's happening here around what you guys are carrying. There's an effective door, and it's been ordained by God. It's timely, it's seasoned. There's a season when things begin to open. Because when you know, God says, That which I open, no, no man can be able to shut. So, an effective door is open for us. Effective means that there's all sorts of things that are going to be flourishing, their fruitfulness. That are gonna bud and flourish, and means there's gonna be you're gonna hit one thing, you know, you're gonna make take one step and achieve ten things. It's effective in that way, and that's what we pray for, and that's what we release inside, inside of your lives and inside of our life as a community, an effective door, God. And we recognize that oh, that door is opening because we are being thoughtful in the process of community life. We're not casual about community. The altar of community life is what I want you and I to be thinking about. The altar of community life. The altar of community life. And the thoughtfulness that goes in there. The recognition by this apostle. That I need you, Corinthians. I have a great gift as an apostle of God, but I need you, Corinthians. And so I'm being thoughtful in my scheduling about when I'm going to see you and what I want to achieve when I do see you. What should be the fruit of our relational engagement? I need you, Corinthians. I'm insufficient in my own personal gift. I need you, Corinthians, because you are part of God's home for me. It's not a familiarity thing. It's not like like I like to hang out with you. It's a spiritual thing. You do get this distinction. It's not, it's not a familiarity thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's not just that I want to hang out with you. It's, it's that it is ordained of God, it is permitted of God. This is the chemistry that God has, has, has ordained for me. This is the chemical interaction that I have in the spirit. That you bring a particular energy that triggers and locks doors in my own heart that cause me. To be able to flourish. So we thank you for an effective dog.